Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Once Upon a Fan podcast. I am your regular host, Zachary Van Norman. And of course, I'm joined by my co-host, Amy Hood. Amy, how are you, darling? I'm recovering from a viciously horrible flu cootie, but I've taken my medicine and hopefully I won't get too loopy this hour and a half. So, how are you, love? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. Um, I had my first week back to school last week, so um, it was you know, pretty fun, and uh, got lots of stuff going on with that. So, yeah, all kinds of things in life. You know, it's just life kind of in general. Um, so, um, you see here, the chat room is also open for everybody who's listening. I want to let you know that if you want to join us in the chat room, please go ahead. Um, you know, in the past, we found out that it might take a couple of minutes for the chat room to load for some of you. So, yeah, if you find yourself having a bit of a block on that, just wait a couple of minutes and refresh it, and it should open right up for you. So, chat room is open and ready and so we'll go ahead and get started with the podcast with our regular news roundup and the first thing of course is that we had the once upon a fan auction for charity uh, cancer research which uh, was very successful and um, that just wrapped up this last week um, we had the replica of Henry's storybook that was autographed a script that was autographed um, pieces of fan art, one of uh, Laura Foster's dolls, our uh, Facebook admins, uh, our Yarn Ninja. So we had lots of stuff going on. Uh, lots of money was raised, and yeah, very excited, very happy that, that we were able to get that taken care of. Very excited about it, actually, because it's such a great cause, but yeah. It was definitely for such a good cause, and I was watching everything. It was, the auction went through eBay, and there were so many amazing things. I know our good friend Lori, who actually called in last week, she won the auction for the signed Team 7 photo, so we were really happy for her, and she was super excited. And the big auction items, which were the signed cast scripts and then the storybook replica, which had been signed by the cast and writers and things, I know you've had that for a while since you're the one that took it to Comic-Con for us, so... I imagine that was pretty hard to, to let go of the book when the auction was up, but it definitely was for a good cause. Yeah, it was for a good cause. I'm really happy that we were able to get, you know, all the money raised for it. Um, very grateful to all of the, the cast for signing it, uh, not only the main cast, of course, but we also had Adam and Eddie sign it. And um, also we had uh, Gil McKinney, Ethan Embry, and Raphael Sparge. So they all signed it as well. Very, very grateful to all of them for it. And, of course, to you know, the everybody who was bidding on everything and to the winner who, you know, um, contributed that much money to the auction, we really, of course, appreciate that. So I'm not sure how they feel about having their names announced publicly or anything, so I'm not going to do that, but the winner knows who they are. So if you're listening, thank you very much for, uh, for your contribution. We very much appreciate it. And I also want to give a shout-out, thank you to Jennifer Morris and also for helping us get some awareness going on for – the uh, the auction because she was kind enough to retweet um, one of the the links that we had up so uh, very happy about that and we got a lot of more exposure for the book after she did that so I'm very grateful to Jennifer Morrison as well for that too. The next thing on our news item list we have the Oz cover art competition and uh, Amy normally you uh, you would be all about the art stuff, I think, as you really like the, the art competition. Are you in the kind of talking mood to tell everybody about it, or do you need me to take over since you're not feeling that great? 
No, I'm 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 good. I'll just I have my water, so okay. I'm set. If I start having cool. a coughing hysterical fit, you take over. Um, we okay, have the cool. odds no cover our competition. So what it is is we I just today saw four or five of the submissions, and so far they look amazing. Um, what we're have, asking all the fans of Once Upon a Fan to do is to send in your designs featuring the new storylines that are coming up. We know we're getting the Wicked Witch, and we know it will involve Oz somehow. So we need a new cover art design for our social media pages. So we are asking the fans to submit in whatever medium their pictures of their art to Once Upon a Fan. And the one that is voted on as the fan favorite will become our social media site cover art for a while. Yeah. So we um, last time for the Neverland competition, we got a lot of really good entries. Some really beautiful stuff came in, and uh, the winner of that competition had a really beautiful piece. So if you are out there and you're feeling inspired and you know you want to combine Once Upon a Time and Oz and everything all together, please send us your submissions. The email is newsroom at Once Upon a Fans with an S at the end dot com. And, yeah, we can get some submissions going on there. And if you have any other questions or anything, you can still send us that email. You can go to our Facebook page for Once Upon a Time fans, or you can hit us on Twitter, which is at Once Upon a Fan. So you can do all of those things as well. Um, also, too, the Shorty Awards are going on, so we want to make sure that we get um, as many people, you know, going, you know, get kind of getting some support behind this as possible. Um, we're going for best fan site. And last year we came in number 15. We really would like to win it this year. Sherlock is number, they are the ones who have won the last three years in a row. So we're trying to dethrone them, so to speak. And, you know, for a show that's all about kings and queens and princes and princesses and castles and magic and things, it should be a show like this that is sitting on the throne of the Shorty Awards. So um, <laughs> that's, just, that's just my personal opinion there. So, yeah, um, you just go to Twitter and you put in I nominate at Once Upon a Fan for a shorty award in, and then the hashtag fan site because, and then you put in your reason. Um, so we've got, you know, over 40 interviews with cast and crew. So that would be one thing you can nominate us for, um, you know, any of the fan art that you like, um, the origins articles, you know, really anything that you want, you can nominate us for. Um, Cause yeah, we're trying to get some more going on for that. So if you've got the time to send out a tweet, we would love to have your support. So, yeah, that's basically what's going on. Shorty Awards there. Um, Amy, did you want to add anything to that? Um, no, just that uh, I did double-check, and retweets don't count. So if you retweet where somebody voted for the fan site, that doesn't actually count as a vote. It has to be an original tweet from your Twitter. So, um, And you only have to do it one time. It's not one of those things where you have to remember to vote every day. So if they just hop in and you just, fill it out really quick, you know, write up that one-line tweet and hit send, and you're done. Yeah, pretty simple, really easy stuff to do. So let's see here. Yeah, it's a shorty award. All right. And then, okay, so there was some other news, too, recently in an interview. Um, Megan, and I don't, I've never, is it Ori? I've never actually figured out yeah. how to say her last name. No, that's horrible. Yeah. Megan Ori, okay, thank you. Um, Megan Ori has, um, she did an interview recently where she said that, you know, Red Riding Hood would be back um, on the show. Um, so there is that bit of news there. Um, I'm really excited about that. Red is one of my favorite characters, like kind of Ruby. Um, I mean, really, I liked all three of them. I mean, like Ruby and Red and then the combination of the two after the curse broke. 
it's like three different people. So yeah, I loved all three of them. Um, she's one of my favorite characters. I think that Megan is a really phenomenal actress. Actually, she really blew me away in um, Red Handed. Uh, that scene where she figured, you know, after she turns back into a human being after she's killed Peter, and she's kind of finding out what she's done and she's crying as they're running away. It's just one of the craziest things um, that could ever, you know, happen with a character. So let me see here. Um, what do you think about that, Amy? I was excited, and it makes sense that she would um, be able to – she hasn't really commented up till this point in, in this interview this week. It was actually an interview because she has that new show called Intelligence with Josh Holloway, <clears throat> and she was being interviewed and asked about that, and she mentioned that, well, Red is not gone from once upon a time. Red will be back, which I'm excited about because I love Red. Ruby. I thought she was really sassy and fun and such a good addition to the show. But um, I know that the show Intelligence just wrapped their season filming, so now she has opening in her schedule. So it kind of makes sense that she would have held off to now to mention that, you know, she might be popping back into Storybooks for a while or the Enchanted Forest, whichever. Yeah, which I really am hoping for that because I have to say, even though I love the fact that we got more Beverly Elliott in the in the winter finale of Once Upon a Time, I really wish that it had been Red who had been running down the street, kind of sniffing out Henry, because it was just <laughs> obviously would have been so much more appropriate. I love the fact that Granny still is kind of a wolf, and that's why they were able to work her in there. And I love Beverly anyway; I think she's fabulous. So, um, Granny is one of my favorite characters too because she's just badass. Um, you know, case in point, see Granny with crossbow. You know, Google that for a reason why. Okay, so yeah, yeah there's that. Um, yeah, so I'm loving that. The fact that we got to see more of her, totally into it. Um, and then also too, um, which there, this is kind of spoilers, I suppose, if you're not really aware of a couple of things. So I'm going to give like a 10 second spoiler alert warning. So you have the chance to turn down your radios or walk away or do whatever you're going to do. Okay, it's been about 10 seconds. So here we go. There is going to be some Wonderland Once Upon a Time crossover stuff happening um, pretty soon. Uh, we know that for, you know, for a couple of reasons. And normally Amy and I you know, tend to stay away from spoilers and we don't really talk about them that much. But um, it's kind of, it's just going to build, well, I don't know. There's, I kind of can't avoid talking <laughs> about it because I've seen, you know. Right. And I hate when, See, I, I hate when stuff like this happens. Ah, I hate spoilers so much, but at the same time, it's like, ugh. Like, this right. one actually well, is kind of, you know, kind of newsworthy. So, yeah, thing. anyways. Right. This The only reason I actually added this tidbit to the news, because we've mentioned in the past how Wonderland doesn't quite have the viewership that once does, but everybody, no matter if they're watching it or not, everybody has said that, well, at least the one, people I've talked to, that they do enjoy the crossover thing. So the only reason I even added this to the news was because I felt like, crossover and see, actually seeing Once Upon a Time on Wonderland, like, you know, some locations, some characters, some things, is um, mm. going to actually be for make for a really great episode. Um, I know a little bit, I wish I didn't know quite so much, but I do know a little bit more. I'm not going to mention, if anybody wants to know, you can DM me on Twitter, but um, I know what what causes the crossover to happen and why certain characters are where they are, but it's a major amount of crossover. So I hope everybody will uh, check that 
not sure if it's the first episode when we come back in or if it's a few later because we also know we have uh, the episode in March when Wonderland comes back. Um, I believe it's the third episode after it comes back is when we get to see Cora or the Queen of Hearts again. So I'm not sure when, yeah. how soon we get into it, but I do know it's, it's more than just that that episode thing. I'm really excited about Cora coming back. And Wonderland actually just wrapped on its season, too. They just filmed the last scene at the, last, um, at the end of Wonderland this past week. So, yeah, this crossover one should be... Really, I've only seen like two pictures from it because it's so hard trying to avoid the spoilers, but I'm really excited to see where these characters are going. Yeah, me too. Can't wait. Can't wait. I love I love Barbara Hershey. Cora is a horrible person. She's a horrible character. <laughs> She's just a terrible woman, but I that's you're supposed to think that about villains, right? So anyways, I yeah. I really like fact that she's going to be back. I, we were pushing for it real early on, you and I, and we wanted to see her again. Very excited that they're all going to be there. Um, I'm just, yeah, I'm just, I, I can't wait. Oh, my gosh, I'm so excited. Like, I, it's because to me, it's really, it's just building on the world of Once Upon a Time. It's, it's making these shows universe even bigger than it already is. Um, because to have Alice, you know, or, well, to have anybody, you know, Cora, whoever it's going to be, however they're going to do this, whatever the flashback is going to be with Cora, you know, to have the world, I mean, it's all like, to have it connected that much more, like really cemented, it's just, I think it's just going to make everything better. Um, and also on the, on the note of Wonderland too, I just want to say one quick thing. There was a, uh, there was a, what is it? It was the TCA conference of 2014 this week. Right, Paul and, Lee, the ABC. Uh, yeah, Paul Lee of ABC said that he should have aired Wonderland on, you know, when the hiatus for Once Upon a Time was happening, as, you know, as in right now. And uh, just for just going to speak for myself here, uh, Paul, my man, sir, good sir, I heartily agree with you, as a matter of fact. <laughs> um, I think that that was probably would have been one of the better decisions that could have been made um, mm-hmm. because it, it, I mean, <laughs> it just would have made perfect sense. But, um, you know, you did what you did, and, you know, it's, it's cool. Just wish that we could have had it on Sunday nights. That's all I needed. Very respectfully, am I saying this? Very respectfully, sir. But yeah, I wish we could have had it on Sundays to begin with because it would just would have made everything better. So, just a quick note there. Definitely. Oh, I know something else that's newsworthy that I forgot to stick in the news, and I meant to ask you about it too. I saw that they announced that the Wicked Witch in the show, her name is not going to be Elphaba, which is not her name in the original book, but of Wizard of Oz, it's her name in the musical Wicked. Have you heard what they're using for uh, to be her name, if they're going to take it straight from the book or what they're going, no, they're going to give her no, an all-new character? The only thing that I had heard was that there, she's going to have her own, it's going to be her own character, she's going to have her own name, you know, that all of that kind of a thing. Um, that's what that's what I have read. I have not. I, mean, yeah. I did see the story where they said that wasn't going to be her name. You know, it's going to be her own thing. That you know, she's not going to really have anything to do with the other stuff. So I don't know. Um, you know, the fact that she has ties to two other characters is kind of interesting mm-hmm. because that was also in a news article. Um, there was actually a news article with some pretty big spoiler stuff going on for the rest of the season, but I don't really want to talk about it on the podcast because, uh, 
you know, we have a no spoiler policy. So if you want to, yeah. you know, you have, you, if you want to find that stuff, then you can. It's not very hard. You just go to Google and look it up. But just want to also say hello to everybody who's in the chat room. Uh, we do see you there. Um, so Angela and Jasmine and Teresa and Peter Pizza, we see all you guys in there. I think that uh, not as many people in the chat room maybe right now because they're all watching the football game because, of course, the Seahawks <laughs> are going to completely slaughter the 49ers. Um, and this is coming from somebody who's not really into football at all, but I live in Seattle, so I have to support my local team. Okay, so there it is. Anyways, Seahawks rock, 12th man forever. Okay, so um, let me see here. Uh, what else do we got? That's pretty much it for the news roundup. Um, not really a whole lot else going on. So I think we can get into the episode rewatch notes, yeah? Okay, let's do it. All right, because I'm very excited to discuss this episode. This is one of my favorite episodes of season one. Um, some of the best work I think of the show was done, um, in this episode, not in terms of storytelling, in terms of acting, um, this episode was really, it was one of those almost like, you know, skin deep, uh, which is kind of one of the reasons I chose it, but among other things, but yeah, I just thought that this episode was really, really excellent and kind of fundamental to the story. Also, I think it did a lot for a number of things. So yeah, Amy, what's your general view of this episode before we get into all the details? I loved this episode. In fact, I was anticipating this episode probably the most of any of the episodes in the first season because I'm such an Alice in Wonderland freak, and when I heard they were doing the Hatter, mm-hmm. I was so curious to see how it was going to turn out. In fact, I think I probably called my husband at work when I heard them announce that they were doing this episode and it was going to be called the Hat Trick. I called him up. I was like, oh, my God, they're going to do it. They're going to have some, some Alice in Wonderland. They better not mess it up. Oh, my God, I was freaking out. But I loved it. I thought it was so good. I loved Jefferson. He was such a heartbreaking character to me, that whole relationship. And I thought it was really one of the strongest episodes of the series. Yeah, um, I just I love this episode. It is definitely one of my favorites. So. Let's go ahead and get right on into this. Okay, let's do it. So, Angie is saying this is the first time rewatching it since it aired. She forgot how good it was. Yeah, Angie, I haven't seen this episode for a very long time, actually. So, when I was going back and rewatching it, I was kind of even more captivated and blown away by it than I was before because of, because of now where we know the story went from there. So, yeah. So, we opened the show, this episode, with Mary Margaret on the run. And, of course, that's because in the previous episode, she found the key that unlocked the cell underneath her bed. Um, and then we find out at the end of the episode – well, actually, we find out in the next episode exactly how it got there. So I'll get to that when we get to that point, though. I don't want to jump ahead on that. So, um, yeah, Mary Margaret's on the run. She's, you know, running through the forest and all those lovely things. And then Emma and Mr. Gold show up to the police station, and Henry's sitting there reading the book, which, funny enough, has a picture of young Snow White sitting there mm-hmm. um you know like that's what the, on that page that is actually young snow white so i i love that it goes from snow white running through the forest to snow young snow white in the story of broke i just think it's kind of cute um but anyways here's what i you know kind of what i noticed in that scene okay because as everybody if you've been listening to the podcast i have a theory on what the color red means in the show and that's for the last couple of weeks i've been discussing um different points of when that that topic actually comes up so I'm going to get into that right now because it starts out right at the very beginning. Um, in the very beginning of the episode, when Gold and Emma show up to the police station, Emma is not wearing her red jacket. She's actually wearing a brown jacket. Um, and Gold has on a red shirt and tie, um, which is kind of significant because if you think about it, 
as we know, gold is the one who put the key there. So in terms of timeline, not necessarily in the way that the episodes air, but in terms of the timeline, gold is the one who's in power at this point because he knew that he knew exactly where Mary Margaret was. He set up the entire thing. He's known from the beginning that that was going to happen. He was expecting her to run out. So it makes complete sense that he would be wearing red. And then of course, Emma, she's completely shocked by the fact that Mary Margaret's not there. She would not be expecting that at all. And then because of what else happens down the line in the episode, she does not have on her red jacket. So that one little scene there in the, you know, in terms of the timeline completely makes sense why he's wearing the, you know, red and why she does not have on her jacket so just wanted to point that out really quick and i also want to point out too that as season one progressed because i'm watching the show and i've been doing the rewatch emma's hair got much more curly much more princessy um as we got towards the end she a girl had a lot more curl going on um she had a little bit more makeup she just emma looked very different in season one she was she was a lot more feminine like she she was progressively you know, added some little feminine touches that I kind of noticed. I couldn't help but notice that. Amy, what do you think about all this stuff that I'm blathering on about? <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned that because I was actually looking at the cover of the Once Upon a Time TV guide that came out. I believe it came out during season one or right after season one. And Emma's hair is really curly. It was taken like towards the end of the season. And I was thinking the same thing that you just said. Like, look, how, what of a transition she kind of made. They, you know, she's got the curly hair, she's all made up, um, but she's still wearing the red jacket in the picture I was looking at. But I love the point about the red, her not having the red jacket, because in that scene, I mean, she really is powerless, or she feels powerless, you know, like she doesn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. This is her friend, and her friend's gone, and so in her eyes, you know, she's powerless, and gold has obviously all the power in that scene because he's the one that knows what's going on even though he's playing it cool still. Exactly. And then as the episode progresses, actually, I have a lot more notes about the color and the ways that it pops up and things like that. So, yeah, we'll be getting into that more as as we go along on our notes here. So, oh, oh, okay, actually, here's the very next one. So right after Emma finds out that, you know, Mary Margaret is gone and she goes and gets in the car to go look for her, the sign that says reserved for sheriff, like on the parking spot, in the front of the parking spot, it's red. Mm-hmm. It's red. Mm-hmm. The sheriff, the sheriff, okay? Red the sign time. that says this is for the sheriff, it's red. Hashtag, just saying. Okay. So then, okay, right, as we continue through the episode, and Emma is, you know, she's driving through the woods. She's looking for Mary Margaret. It's a very foggy night. She can't see very much. And then all of a sudden, she almost hits Jefferson. She almost hits the man, who ends up being Jefferson, right? Now, isn't it funny that, you know, Emma's, like, in a fog, right? She's in a fog, like, and she doesn't have on her jacket, right? She's kind of, uh-huh, you see in it, everybody? Okay, so she doesn't have a red jacket on. She's in a fog. She doesn't really know what's going on. She's lost, so to speak, because, she, you know, everything is kind of topsy-turvy, and then she almost hits the Mad Hatter. Okay, cool. Okay, so I just want to point that out. Okay, lots of symbolism going on with the fog and Emma's psyche in that moment. Okay, everybody, cool. <laughs> so then we see in the flashback, you know, Jefferson and Grace, who, number one, I just got to say, like, he, how cute is Jefferson as a dad? I'm just saying. Oh, my God. Like, he, it was, yes. Oh, my God. Ridiculous. He is adorable. I I always obviously have a soft spot for the Hatter anyway, but him and Grace together were so cute. 
Yeah, I love their relationship. Sebastian Stan, I mean, we'll get to his performance, my notes on his performance in a second, because there's a couple of scenes that happen later on in the episode that really cemented this guy as a serious, amazing actor in my brain. So, yeah, I'm sure it did for a lot of other people, too. Uh, one thing that I do want to point out really quick about Jefferson and Grace. Okay, so there is a band from, I think, the 60s, and they're mm-hmm. called Jefferson Airplane. And they had a very, very famous song, which is called White Rabbit. And the entire thing is all about the world of Alice in Wonderland, okay, the entire thing. Now, that is why, now, that is why Jefferson's name is Jefferson. I mean, they even said mm-hmm. that's one of the Easter eggs. His name is Jefferson because of that. But also, his daughter's name is Grace, and the lead singer of Jefferson Airplane, the woman who sang White Rabbit, her name was Grace Slick. So, yes. got Jefferson Airplane, Jefferson the Mad Hatter, Grace Slick, Grace's daughter. Just saying. I love those little mm-hmm. touches like that. Um, it was something that really, you know, it's another one of those Easter eggs that just makes it fun, especially if you already know the song. Um, it kind of mm-hmm. just immediately clicks. Yeah. Right. Um, and if you're not familiar with Jefferson, they, they sing some really trippy stuff from the 60s. They actually changed names a few times. They were Jefferson Airplane, then Jefferson Starship, and then for a while in yeah. the 80s they were just Starship when – like that movie Mannequin came out and they had the song Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now. Like that's when they were, but that's the same band, but their stuff from the 60s is very Wonderlandy, very trippy, and any of the videos that you see from them. But I loved that little nod to it. I thought that was so clever that they named him Jefferson and the daughter Grace mm-hmm. and oh, the whole White Rabbit thing. I thought it was great. Yeah, I, it's just one. Yeah, it's just again one of those things. Kind of like you know the the dark one that uh, that Rumpelstiltskin stabbed in. Oh my God! You know that one episode, Desperate, Desperate Souls. Yeah. God, thank you. <laughs> okay, I have to think. I forgot to start again. Okay, so yeah, in that episode, the dark one, like the dark in Desperate Souls, rather the dark one that Rumpelstiltskin stabs. His name is Zoso, which is totally the name of the Led Zeppelin album. So, yes. yeah, I'm just saying. Okay. Yep. Little stuff like that. All right. So then, of course, we see Jefferson and Grace together, and they're in the forest, and they're talking about, you know, hide-and-seek and stuff. And they go home, and they see that, the, you know, the queen's carriage is there. And when Jefferson goes into the house, Regina has on one of her outfits. And this fabulous outfit of hers is one of the ones – it has the black feather um, – piece on it. I have no idea what the collar, for lack of a better term. Um, yeah, the, the black feather collar, which is, you know, just divine and shows up again in season three in the episode Lost Girl. Um, that one just completely gorgeous dress that a quarter caster made. But yeah, anyway, so her hair is looking, you know, so cute. And I just, it, again, this was one of the episodes where Regina had, you know, her closet was on display just as much as everything else was. So I love that dress. God, that dress is fabulous. I'm just saying. Yes, uh, everybody knows I adore her clothes, but that that outfit was awesome. We actually have seen that outfit recently, though, because that's the one that mm. the Wicked Witch. Yeah, we've seen it in mm-hmm. some of the new promos. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I Apparently can't wait. For, I cannot wait for the showdown. I can't wait for the showdown when Regina is like, um, "What are you doing? Like, which? Yeah. What are you doing witch? in my dress? Like, get out of my clothes." <laughs> Yeah, like who do you think you are? I'll tell you, you're you're nobody. Take off my dress. Like, yeah, exactly. So, can't wait for that. Okay, now also too, and it's one thing about the scene that I find really interesting, and something that I want to point out. 
after Regina asks Jefferson for his help and he tells her that he doesn't, you know, do the hat thing anymore and, you know, she kind of makes fun of him for being poor and everything like that, mm-hmm. she leaves. And after Regina leaves, the camera moves to the right and it goes to, like, almost like a dresser or a table of some sort, and it has on it right. a basket of dried flowers, a card, a jug, a box, and a candle. Now, that candle, and every time they show that table, that candle is lit. And I'm really thinking that that is, like, his um, memorial to his wife. What do you think about that? That's what I think, too. When the first time I saw that, it almost seemed like a shrine he had set up there. Mm-hmm. And I, every time yeah. I've looked at it, I've, I keep, like, looking at screen grabs, trying to catch something. Because I remember seeing this the first time and wondering, you know, was his wife going to end up to have been Alice? Was it going to be somebody else that we know? And we still haven't found out the whole story. And Mm-mm. since we know that, like, our Wonderland characters have a connection to our Once characters in a big way coming up, I am oh, crossing my fingers and, like, jumping up and down, wondering if maybe we'll get a little peek at Jefferson again or if, you know, they're going to tie that up because that's been one of the questions that was left hanging that I've always wondered about. Yeah. I have a theory about that. I do. You know me and my theories. I wonder. Yes, I, I wonder if. Theory. I wonder if his wife is Jack. Ah. Because she talks about like, you know what I mean? Having like kind of an almost. Yeah, you know, like when she said that she wants you know Slater Jabberwock for a a, a a town, and there was an old wise woman there, right, who gave her the mushroom. Well, what if the old wise woman or whatever was Regina? And she was just trying to separate Jefferson because she was pissed at him for something. Or, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Yeah. Just an idea. Like, I thought that it would be really fun if, you know, it ended up being somebody that we already know. Like, at first, I, you know, before we actually knew who Alice was, I kind of thought that it would have been really fun if Jefferson had married Alice, and then that was, like, their daughter was Grace, and then he lost right. her because she went home or something, you know? Like, mm-hmm. something like that, I thought it would be really fun. Or, you know, originally, before we knew the story about the Red Queen on Once Upon a Time in Wonderland, I was wondering if the Red Queen had been Jefferson's wife and she had left him to be queen. But that mm-hmm. didn't end up yeah. being the case either. So, lots of theories. Uh, it could really be anybody. But just the fact that Jack already said in the episode Tiny that, you know, she – is into, you know, she's kind of dabbled a little bit in Wonderland story elements. Like, okay, let's make her, you know, let's make Jack and the Beanstalk, Jefferson and the Mad Hatter's wife. Okay, yeah, I can take it. Okay, cool. So, yeah. Um, I really want to know who she was, though. Like, it's one of the, it is one of those questions that I'm still like, kind of like the guy that we, you know, saw in Skin Deep, like Rumpel's mm-hmm. Helper who repossessed Moe's van like even though they said you know like in the special features or whatever the commentaries that you know that he was they said who he was as far mm-hmm. as i'm concerned that wasn't on the show so that's not really <laughs> a confirmed fact that's just commentary <laughs> i still want to know who it is so yeah right um i have okay, a theory developing about that about jefferson but i don't i'm not ready to share it yet because in order for me to do that it gives away a spoiler about what's happening with the wonderland crossover so when we get into march just Remind me then that that I have a okay. to share. Cool, I will. Awesome, I'll make a note. Okay. Yes. So then after, yeah. See, Teresa just saying. Remember when we thought Jefferson was married to Alice? Yep. Mm-hmm. I sure do. 
Uh, uh, let me see here. So, okay, quick note, too. After Emma go and Jefferson go inside Jefferson's house, right, she's driven him home, and they go inside the house, and, you know, she's looking at everything like that, okay? I find the decor of his house very, very interesting because his living room has a piano and a bass in it. Now, I'm mm-hmm. thinking that that's probably just a reference to the band Jefferson Airplane, you know, kind of like as, a, as an inside joke. But right. um, I'm also I also am kind of thinking that it's cool. Like, okay, cool. Jefferson really digs music. Like, he's almost like a beatnik in a way. Wait, I'm no, I'm just kidding. But if it wasn't Jefferson, he'd make a great beatnik, wouldn't he? He's got the hat and everything. Like, yeah, I could totally see it. Yeah, okay. so, he's got that, those outfits. <laughs> yeah, you know, he he's very well dressed, and yeah, he'd be the most stylish beatnik that there ever was. Okay, so the other thing that I noticed too about that is that. He has, like, a table that has a ton of books on it, a ton. Like, mm. there are a lot of books. And that makes, and it kind of makes me wonder if that, le- you know, kind of lends weight to his speech later on in the scene where he's talking about other lands that brush up against, you know, that they touch each other, that they're st- basically stacked up against each other, and that they all kind of have an influence on each other now and again. Like, you know, is he, wouldn't that be, I mean, that kind of would be torturous, wouldn't it, to be stuck inside the house reading about all these other worlds that you know exist because he's probably traveled through them in his hat and now he's completely stuck and has to watch his daughter being raised by somebody else. Like, oh, my gosh. Right. Really, I think so, too. Because, I mean, in, in this episode, he's trapped in this house and he's, you know, inside all the time looking out. And he talks about having been trapped in there until Emma got to town. But he is watching these people. And even though he's realm jumps, I mean, it's obviously feasible to think that there's so many people in each realm. Obviously, he wouldn't know who everyone is. So he has all these books. And I can just imagine him, like, desperately, you know, reading, trying to figure out what's going on outside, who the other people are, what realms might have been touched. It's just, you know, it just adds to how sad his character is. And, <laughs> Sorry, that room. Also, some other things that stuck out to me, and you mentioned the decor. There's a big painting above the fireplace of a labyrinth, mm-hmm. and it's kind of an abstract painting. But there's that right by the fireplace. There was an iron, um, you know, the set of tools you use with the fireplace, but it had a rabbit yeah. on the top of it. And I noticed also in that scene there was a ton of reflective surfaces. And this is another scene, yep. too, I mean, that they had all the mirrors, but this scene was another time that I saw something that made me think eventually we were going to see Oz, because in this room, I don't know what it is, if it's a toy or some kind of case, but and you can see it in the screen grab pictures. There's something in his room, and it has a drawing of, like, a tornado on it, and it's I mean, it's very obvious if you look at the the photograph, and I remember thinking, oh, I wonder if this, that somehow he's going to tie to Oz, too. Oh, wouldn't it? Oh, man, I just thought of something else. I, there's, oh, man, wouldn't it be something if Jefferson was the Wizard of Oz? Like, oh, that would have been so cool. Okay. He does like, have a hat. Wouldn't he does have a hat. Like, I'm just saying, it wouldn't make a bad thing, you know, to be like the wizard, like, I don't know. I'm just, I mean, even though I know there's some people who think Rumpel Stilson's going to end up being the wizard, but yeah. Um, oh, and the other thing too, of course, it totally makes sense for Jefferson to have cartography as a hobby, like doing maps and being like a map maker. That completely makes sense for a portal jumper. I mean, a thousand percent. Mm, so I just love that that yeah. little detail is in there too. Yeah. 
Okay, so the very, okay, oh, okay. So then the next thing, right after that, is when you know it goes to commercial, and then when it comes back, they're at the like Jefferson and Grace are at the the village market or whatever, and they're going to the toy cart, which of course has Regina dressed up as the hag. And I have to say, it makes me so sad to see Regina as the hag without a basket full of apples. It just oh, I know. <laughs> I was like, where's her apples? Oh, she had all the toys. There was also in the scene another Oz thing. Oh my God, this episode. There was a, a hot air balloon in one of the in one of the scenes where it shows, shows Jefferson standing at the toy rack there when Regina's the hag. I was like, hot air balloon, Oz, ah. But yeah, I was like, oh, Regina, girl, get your Elizabeth Arden cream out and fix that face back up. Yeah, I just oh, it's such a great episode. I, I, she has she has to have she needs the apples. Like I need the hag with the apples. I need the hag wearing the black robe cape thing with the hood. Like mm. I need the I need the wart on the nose, Amy. I need it. If anybody is listening <laughs> who can do anything about this, we need it, folks. Like we need to see yeah. this. It's just something that Disney freaks are bad for. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm t- I mean, I don't need it. I want to see it, but I'm not like dying chomp at the bit for it. <laughs> Anyways, um, okay. So then, right after that, right at, because at this point Jefferson has knocked out Emma. You know, she drank whatever she was going to drink that made her like you know pass out or whatever okay so she wakes up she wakes up and she drops the pillow on the ground to break the mug and then she uses that to escape now isn't it interesting listeners that the pillow that she uses to escape like her weapon so to speak like the thing that she's using to assume control of the situation and to assume power she it's a red pillow Mm -hmm. i'm just saying I'm, i'm just saying she uses a red pillow to escape essentially like Smart cookie, but it also happens to be red, which totally plays into everything else I was saying. Anyways, so isn't it interesting how they can use color in that way? I am so fascinated by this whole thing. Like, I, I, I've got to read an article about this. Okay, so, yeah. Um, then, of course, Emma finds Mary Margaret in Jefferson's house, and she's all tied up in the room. And mm-hmm. I just – that's so – like, and the room, of course, has, like, forest – looking wallpaper, which I love that little mm-hmm. detail, too. It's just fab. Totally loving it. Um, that whole thing, though, of her, like, being tied up, you know, and, that, like, Emma goes and, you know, she frees her, and then, like, they, you know, escape and all that stuff, like, it's creepy. Like, it's, it, it kind of reminds me of, like, like, when Emma, like, when she first escapes the room that she's tied up in, and she, like, she kind of barely opens the doorknob, and she's going down the hallway, and it creaks on the floor, and then she has to run into the room, and she finds Mary Margaret. Okay. That I don't know why, but that is, it seems so like it was almost like a horror movie. Like you know, you're like yes. trying to avoid like you know, like the kid, like the scream mask dude. Like you know what I mean? Like it just seems right. so creepy. And I think and, it had and, a lot to do with like the way it was filmed too. We kept getting that sense of you mm-hmm. know the long hallways and the huge empty house, and there was there was a lot of silence in those scenes, but there were. I mean, it, it was really tense to watch, you know. It was really creepy. I kept thinking of The Shining House. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the hotel in The Shining, yeah, when, when I watched that. 
Yeah, that's so funny. I was going to say The Shining, too, but then I just I went with something. Oh, that's, oh I love it. We're totally synchronous. So love it. Okay, so so they, yeah, so Emma finds Mary Margaret, and she unties her, and then they leave the room, and Jefferson is standing there with a gun, and so then he makes Emma tie her back up. So then she does that, and then she goes with him off to make the hat. But then in the meantime, in the flashback, we see, you know, Jefferson sends Grace to the neighbor's house, goes to Regina's with his hat, takes it out, they jump into the hat. She's wearing her fabulous dress, of course. Her hair looks great. Her makeup is flawless. And it all just looks good. Okay, cool. So then, you know, they're into the hat. You know, we've got the portal thing going on. We're jumping through. Okay, we're all good. You know, just, you know, somebody call a race. Why don't you? Like, when, it just, it totally made me think of Broken. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, because of the hat. Right. So, yeah, it just reminded me of that, which we are watching in a couple of weeks, too. So, of course, it, that's how this, you know, that's one tie for this episode into the future ones like it you know there's the hat jefferson wonderland oz all kinds of things because okay we get into that um, well i'll get into the whole thing about oz in this episode later so after regina and jefferson jump into the hat it goes back to um storybrook and jefferson has his speech about the curse and he mentions the curse and emma is like floored and she's like are you talking about like Henry's thing he's like who the queen's father oh you're Henry like catching on to what she's talking about I mean and again yeah. remember Emma she doesn't have her jacket on like she's completely you know like she, her whole world just basically got turned upside down because this is somebody else who's talking about the curse that she's never met and as far as she knows he's never met Henry so I mean you know she assumes so but it's still you know one of those things where it's like um okay, there's somebody talking about magic. What is going on? And that whole thing where he's talking about the curse and, you know, how it's time for her to, like, wake up and open her eyes and see that, you know, everything. Oh, my God. It's just, it's one of those scenes that really Sebastian Stan was just fabulous. And, Amy, what do you think about that whole scene? I think so, too. And it's funny, you mentioned about the stack of books in the room when he was at making that speech to her that's exactly how i imagined the world in my head i imagined it as like a stack of storybooks and you know he talked about jumping from one to one so that's exactly how i saw it in my head was that but i thought that speech was so good i was not really familiar with sebastian stan honestly before he got cast on once upon a time and now, obviously, he's about to blow up even bigger than he already is because he's in the new Captain America movie that's coming out. Uh, he was cast as the Winter Soldier, and he was in the first Captain America movie, but not in a huge part. But I remember thinking after this episode, wow, this guy is really, really awesome. And I loved their characters together. I felt like Emma and Jefferson had a lot of chemistry, even though you know she was his <laughs> prisoner and trapped in the house. She almost seemed to, you know, yeah, she wanted to get away, but, you know, she almost seemed to kind of have empathy for him. Yeah, which, you know, I mean, there was a couple of, yeah, they had really good, really good chemistry in a couple of those scenes. I'll leave it at that, but they had yeah. some really good chemistry <laughs> at point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, the next thing, okay, so there's that moment after he's talking about, you know, the curse and he mentions that it's real and everything like that, right, where she's talking to him about stuff. And she's looking away, and he walks away from her, and he holds the gun up to her head behind her back, and she doesn't see it. Mm-hmm. That is so creepy, crazy, totally awesome. Like, 
that one little action is just such a oh my gosh, it's just so yeah. it's so creepy, so creepy. Because he really has gone mad. I mean, from grief and loss and everything else, you know, he's he's pretty much gone off of, uh, the edge there. He's desperate. I think we see a lot of that in this season. Now that I think about it, we mentioned desperate polls earlier. We see a lot of really desperate people taking really desperate actions in this first season. Very and much it's so. all for like, a it's... good cause. <laughs> you know, they all have good reason, but they do these things that are really just horrible. Yeah. I, yeah, there's, this season really, like, I'm so glad that we're doing this rewatch because it's making me appreciate it so much differently than I did when it was, like, live and new and fresh in my memory because now I'm watching it and I'm like, God, it was so, no wonder I was so hooked the first season. Look at this shit. It's amazing. Why didn't it get an Emmy? Like, seriously, like, I don't know what's wrong with those people. They just don't understand. Okay, so, but, yeah, he holds that, you know, he holds the gun up to Emma behind her back and she doesn't see it. And then, you know, they start talking about, you know, stories. What's the story? You know, like, when you were in high school, did you learn about the Civil War? Yeah. Where'd you learn about it? From a book? How is that different from any other book? Mm-hmm. And she's like, history books are based on history. And he says, and storybooks are based on what? Imagination? That has to come from somewhere. Like, oh, my God. It's just, like, it's, I mean, isn't it? I mean, it's, and I know that it's just a television show and everything else, but isn't that such a logical argument, really? Like, yeah, that's probably, I the, that that is like, probably the most logical argument I've ever heard for such a thing. I know, and it's it's that was one of the things I felt was so brilliant about Jefferson because he had the most logical argument for convincing Emma, and yet he's also mad, you know. So at the same time, he's like the most sane and the most insane, all you know, mm-hmm. in, in conflicting scenes. I was like. Wow, he is making perfect sense, and that's, it's just crazy. I love his character so much. Yeah, and I do want to, you know, Teresa brought up that the story is in the chat room, so that was what got me thinking about that, too, even though that scene happens later on. Like, yeah, it's just awesome. And, okay, so, all right, then after that, okay, because we got to, you know, kind of keep stuff moving along here because I've, so I've got another page of notes. All right, so... Once they get into the hat and, you know, they're in the room that has all the portals and everything. Okay. There, number one, there were so many doors that could mean anything that I was just like, okay. I was like sitting there trying to pause it and see what, what they all were and try and figure mm-hmm. out like, okay, if, like what's that one to? Where does that one go? What about that one? Like, this is kind of weird because there's some stuff like I don't recognize what it could be. So I'm, I'm very interested. And, mm-hmm. um, and then, of course, there's, there's two things. Obviously, they're going to Wonderland, so you see the looking glasses there, so that's one of them. But then two, actually, the, I think the very next portal over, or maybe two over from the, from the looking glass, is the green curtains. Right. That, you know, like the green curtains that have Oz. Look very like, Aussie. Written all <laughs> over it. Yeah, very much. Mm-hmm. Looked very Aussie. Like, and honestly, that was kind of what got me thinking about Jefferson being the Wizard of Oz because I was like, pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. And right. in this case, Jefferson would be the man behind the curtain because it's his hat and he's, yeah, you know what I mean? So that's why I was like, maybe Jefferson is the Wizard of Oz. That would be sick. Like, I would love that. Yeah, I I remember looking at pictures and searching for pictures of those doors, like, fanatically after this episode, trying to look at all of them. 
I definitely thought the green one was Oz. There were other ones that looked like maybe, you know, Jules Verne, Journey to the Center of the Earth kind of thing, or, you know, mm-hmm. there were several doors, but definitely the green one, I remember thinking immediately that that one was Oz. And I, I remember being so excited by that scene because it meant that there were so many other places to visit in the show and that there were so many yep. different directions and so many characters they could bring in. I was so excited about it. And you guys that are in the chat room, if you scroll up actually to the top of the page, one of those pictures of the doors is in the slideshow that's going across the screen at the top of the page right now. So every time it goes by, I keep looking at the other doors trying to figure out what they are. Yeah, it's really hard to figure out what else they could be. Um, and I remember, and I'm really glad that you talked about it too, the possibilities of where else we could go on the show. I remember when I saw this scene and I, you know, and I saw Oz was, you know, very clearly on those curtains. My first thought was, okay, there are so many other worlds, kind of like what you said too, you know, that we could, so many worlds we could go to, so many other characters that they could bring in. But that was the first time that it really, like, kind of opened my mind to the possibility of not only fairy tale characters or not only fantasy characters, but also getting, you know, a chance to see other places, which, you know, I mean, at the time I had thought to myself, gosh, wouldn't it be cool if there was like a place where like Oliver Twist and, you know, like, you know, Sense and Sensibility and, you know, like where all of those stories were all happening too, like nothing to do with fairy tales whatsoever at, you know, at all. But wouldn't it be so awesome if they were all there and we could go to those or, you know, like if, you know, like if Frankenstein and Dracula and all of them lived in the same place, could we go to those stories, which of course now we know that they probably do all live together in the land without color. So yeah, just, I remember thinking to myself, God, there are so many possibilities to explore literature on this show. And, you know, I come from the, you know, the generation that, you know, kind of grew up on Harry Potter a little bit. So the possibility yes. of it inspiring so many more people to read more classic stories and kind of get some more imagination for things going on really actually kind of got me excited in the same way that Harry Potter used to because, you know, it really got so many people just reading again. So, yeah. yeah Michelle, I, get people to I read them all for it. Yeah, I, I love the Harry Potter books too. They actually have a special place in my heart because my son, when he was little, They kept telling me at school they didn't think he was going to catch on to reading and they thought he had a a really bad learning disability and all this other stuff. And then when he was, like, in first grade, he was so into the first and second Harry Potter movies that he wanted to try and read the books. And once he picked up that first book, he struggled, but he kept going and going with it, and he read all seven like, obviously, they weren't all out at that time, but he became the best reader in his grade. So they, they books definitely have a, a great place in my heart. And I know with the Kindle and everything that's available now, there's so many ways to get them. I'm still kind of a paper girl at heart. I love to have a book in my hand. But, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I love the idea that there's so many stories out there and so many types of literature and so many worlds that have been created that I mean, somebody posted on Twitter something about um, writers creating these worlds and then the actors get to live in them and bring them to us, and it's so true. There's so many things out mm-hmm. there that they could bring in. Yeah. I can't wait to see what else. Yeah, me too. I, I'm very – oh, my God, that's, that was one of the reasons why I wanted Wonderland to succeed, of course, because then we would get more things like that. So, yeah. Um, 
And, of course, that was another reason why we chose this episode for our rewatch is because of the fact that it does go, you know, we go to Wonderland and we see Oz, which are two things that are extremely relevant to the show right now in Season 3, you know, since we know that the Wicked Witch is coming. Um, you know, those curtains, those green curtains in the hat are, you know, playing the significant role now. Wonderland has its own show. We finally saw Alice, and, but you know, we're getting Jeff, you know, Cora and the Queen of Hearts again. So, you know, it's all very much related to what's going on in the show right now. So even back in season one, you know, we're still feeling kind of the repercussions of things, um, up, you know, now in season three. So that's, you know, this, the breadth of the story, the scope of it, it just keeps getting so much bigger. So that's, I'm just loving it. That's why we picked it. And then, of course, when we go into Wonderland for the very first time, I remember loving it so much because the sky was all purple and weird and all those weird clouds. And it was so, like, it was so it was very vibrant. The colors are so vibrant and, you know, kind of just off. I mean, you know, the sky was purple and, you know, like the grass was huge. And, you know, Amy, you noticed something about, you know, the we've talked about Oz and Wonderland and the ties between those things. You've noticed something about the road of Wonderland as well. So, you know, I mean, all kinds of things. Yeah, the road in Wonderland, it's yellow and it is yellow bricks. They're just not small. It's, giant yellow bricks I mm-hmm. remember seeing and it's still that way in the Wonderland show so I oh, I hope we get to see Wonderland clash with Oz somehow too I want to see some kind of connection there but yeah, I oh, the so other thing was... I loved was when they first got there the whole caterpillar I thought that was just mm. so clever that it was Roger Daltrey from the Who and the, you know the, yeah. the famous line for the caterpillar from the Alice book and the Alice movie. You know he says, "Who are you?" And "Who are you?" is actually the title of probably the most successful Who song there is. I saw that. I was like, "Oh Which, my God!" He just said, "Who are you?" Who who. Ah. Yeah, and you know, and too along with that, right? Like it totally goes into the whole '60s theme that we have going on with Jefferson Airplane, and you know Jefferson being named the you know the Mad Hatter, and then Grace, and all that other stuff. So it's totally a play on like '60s culture, and freaking love it, dude. I got it. This is why yeah. I love the show so much because there's so many references to so many pop culture things. I just love it. And then, like you said, the road is very much like the Yellow Brick Road of Oz. And then, and another thing too that I just want to add on to that in the original, you know, in the Wizard of Oz movie, right, with Judy Garland, there's. And this is kind of a really deep question if you think about it. There's the yellow brick road, and we know where that one goes, but there's also the red brick road. Where does that go? Like, has anybody ever wondered about that? Like, where did that road go to exactly? Like, why didn't we go down that one? Like, wouldn't that have been something if she had gone down the red road and it had been like, oh, this leads you right to Kansas. Like, here's your front door. You could have gone this way the entire time. Like, I'm just saying, yeah. it would have been hilarious. <laughs> just saying. Just and but they also, we talked about, I mean, going it's because the, the yellow bricks in Wonderland, the oh, sorry, Amy, the yellow bricks in Wonderland have those little red dots on it, so it totally looks just like a combination of the two roads in the Wizard of Oz. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I wonder, too, since red plays such an important part, I wonder if they're actually going to try and use ruby slippers in Once Upon a Time, because in the books, they're not mm-hmm. ruby slippers. In the books, they were no, silver. No, they're silver. Yeah, but in the movie and everything we've seen, you know, usually in pop culture, it's always the ruby slipper you see, which I love. I love the ruby slipper. I want my own pair. But um, 
I'm wondering, because those slippers have been mentioned, but we have yet to see any slippers. So, I don't know. I hope they, I, they get to make an appearance. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that that's going to come down to a rights thing between Disney and MGM, because the reason why, you know, the, the slippers are red in everyone's mind is because of the movie, The Wizard of Oz. Well, like you said, the books are so, or the shoes are silver in the books. And MGM actually owns the rights to the Ruby Slippers. That's why if you watch the, any other Wizard of Oz adaptation, Ruby Slippers are not included. They're silver or something. They're not even really mentioned. Um, mm-hmm. And that's the reason why. It's because nobody else is allowed to use them. So it's just going to come down to whether or not Disney can get the permission to use them from MGM, which it would make sense if MGM said yes, because then it would just be telling more people, hey, you want to know where these shoes came from? You should watch the Wizard of Oz. So, right. You know, now, you know, you remember the yeah. Disney park here in Orlando used to be called MGM Studios, and now it's Hollywood Studios. Right, Disney on, MGM Studios. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. On the great movie ride, one of the props that used to be in the line, there actually used to be a pair of the ruby slippers from the movie um, in the queue line when you walk through, and it hasn't been there since they changed the name. So, that is a really good point because when we you. went on that ride and we were there for the Enchanticon when Once Upon a Fan staff was in Orlando, for all the new listeners, we were there in November for a convention and we all met for the first time and it was a whole big to-do. Check Facebook for pictures because they're everywhere. Um, but, yeah, when we went on the ride, the great movie ride, like one of the places that you go through is you go through Munchkinland and the Wizard of Oz and there's all these animatronics of Dorothy and you know, the Scarecrow, the Tin Man, the Lion, which I just want to say, too, really quick while it's on my brain, in Season 3, I hope we see these people. Like, I hope that there's a Scarecrow and a Tin Man and a Cowardly Lion and, you know, Dorothy, mm-hmm. who is not somebody else we already know. Like, please don't make Snow White Dorothy because I, I don't think I can handle it. I, I don't want that to happen at all. Like, it's the same right. kind of feeling that I thought about when Ursula was going to end up being Regina at the same time. Like, uh, just don't do it, please. Like, make Dorothy her own character. She deserves it. So, yeah. I have a feeling Which, okay. that we will. So, I, mean, I, mean, I think that the other characters, Dorothy and all that, may end up being other people. But I have a feeling that the Tin Man is going to end up being a character that has an interaction with a character we already know. Because the Tin Man's whole thing is that he's missing his heart. And that is a huge right. Once Upon a Time theme. So I think that, I hope that ties mm. in somehow. I wonder if the Wicked Witch of the West has a thing about taking hearts. Because if she does, then she could have mm. taken the Tin Man's heart, and that would have made it even more like, you know what I mean? Like, oh, what if the Wicked Witch and Regina know each other from back in the day? Like, what if they went to evil boarding school together or something? Oh, like, that would be fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> With yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like... <laughs> Yes, evil boarding school where they learn to cook the evil bacon. Evil cooking with the evil yeah. queen coming soon. I'm telling you, it's going to happen. Okay, it's so gonna be huge. yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be huge, uh, like a turkey, like a turducken. All right, um, let me see here. Which is delicious, by the way. I had it for the first time last year. Totally awesome. Um, I did not have chimera though. That just looked disgusting. So let me see. Um, Jeff. Then back to the show. Anyway, so on the show, then after we're seeing, you know, like they go to Wonderland for the first time and, you know, like they get the smoke blown in their face by the caterpillar and they start to go on their way to the Queen of Hearts castle. Okay, cool. So then we're back to Storybrooke and Jefferson. That's when he does a speech about the other worlds and lands that need magic and, you know, all that kind of thing, which, again, just totally tied to the scene. But then after that is when we see Jefferson and Regina in the Queen of Hearts maze and the vault. And she says a couple of things, like, there's a couple of things that are said 
in that scene that that was actually one of the very first things that made me think that I knew who the queen of hearts was going to end up being, which of course I did because my, I think my second theory that I ever sent in to once upon a fan was my theory that Cora was the, going to be the queen of hearts. And I was right, right because I mean, she was, but so the reason why I, yeah, I'm going to have to find this theory now. Hold on just a second. Anyway. So, um, Maybe it's on my laptop. Sorry, folks. Technical difficulties. Please hold. So, yeah, but there's that whole thing, right? Because um, I'm telling you, there's – okay. Amy, like, what do you think about that while I'm pulling this up? <laughs> I, no, you I remember you posting that theory. And at the time, I was I kept thinking that that was a strong possibility, and I thought that you were probably right, that that's where they were going to go with it. But then part of me was still kind of hoping that they were going to make it more twisty. But – I mean, I I do remember thinking that Regina, one, I remember thinking in this episode that Regina and Jefferson definitely had history together. They're, they were either related or something was going on. They had some kind of past, which we didn't know about yet. We ended up finding about later in the season, but um, or later in the series, actually. But I remember thinking that, and then I remember thinking that obviously Regina and the Queen had some serious history too, and then reading your theory and thinking, oh, I bet he's right that you know this this is her mother because the vault is the same. You know, she says she's taken something from me, or and she mentions knowing very well, you know, probably better than anyone how evil the Queen of Hearts can be. So yeah, mm-hmm. I, I definitely remember when your theory came out. Yeah, which I have it in front of me now, so I'm just <laughs> going to go off this a little bit here. Okay, so. Here's how I figured out that Cora was going to be in the Queen of Hearts. It actually didn't happen until the very next episode, um, The Sable Boy, because that was when we, it finally revealed that Regina hates Snow White because she blames Snow for the death of Daniel. And Snow had revealed their relationship to Cora, and Cora ripped Daniel's heart from his chest and crushed it. Okay. So in Hat Trick, when Regina and Jefferson are about to enter the maze, she tells him that she wants a short walk through it, and he asks her if she knows who the maze belongs to, and she says the Queen of Hearts. She's not one for subtlety. And then he asks her if she knows what happens to people who cross the Queen of Hearts, and she says, indeed, better than most. Okay. She knows what happens when people cross her because she's already seen it done. She saw it happen when when Cora ripped Daniel's heart out of his chest. Cora is the queen of destroying hearts, and, you know, ripping ripping somebody's heart out and crushing it is anything but subtle. So that goes exactly with (laughs) what Regina was saying there, too. Okay. Then also – when Jefferson is taken before the Queen of Hearts later on in the episode, he's accused of helping to steal from her. And he starts mm-hmm. to defend himself saying the Queen, but then the footman dude interrupts and says, that woman's name is Regina, okay? There's only one Queen, the Queen of Hearts, okay? Her Highness obviously has some control issues, okay? Just a little bit. Yeah. And, like, okay, in Stable Boy, right, the whole purpose behind Cora's killing Daniel was so she could control Regina, and make sure that Regina wouldn't end up queen, right? I mean, she set it up so that Regina would be queen. It's like she made, Cora made Snow White's horse go wild, which led the whole thing going on, right? Mm-hmm. So then Cora, later on, remember, she, she accepted Leopold's proposal in Regina's name, which he never right. would have made it in the first place if Cora hadn't made Snow's horse go wild, so then Regina would save her. Okay, so then also in Stable Boy, you know, she tells Regina that she would live her life the way that Cora wanted because of the deals that Cora made to get him out of poverty, and in the beginning of the episode, Cora used magic to, like, you know, lift Regina up and bind her with some straps. Right. And so she's not going to tolerate, you know, insolence. 
Cora obviously has some control issues, and she clearly wants to be queen. And then later on, when Jefferson and Regina are about to go into the hat, right, and you know they're they're they go through the they go through the hat, they arrive at the vault and all that stuff. Okay. So here's the thing about that, right? And I'm sorry to just blather on about this, but I'm going to. So Regina says she tells Jefferson that the Queen of Hearts has always viewed her as a threat, so she kidnapped Regina's dad for leverage, right? Like. And then after Jefferson realizes that Regina is about to leave him Wonderland, he, you know, he's like, please let me go home to Grace. And you can tell from the look on her face that she's moved. But instead she says, you know, if you truly cared about your daughter, you would never have left her in the first place. You don't abandon family. Okay. Yeah. Later on in the stable boy, in the stable boy, right, Cora said to Regina, if you loved me, you wouldn't try to run away. Mm-hmm. So it's like Regina feels the same way that her mom did, like, you know, like, imagine if, you know, if you truly care for your daughter, you would never left her in the first place. Like, she's basically saying that to Cora. If you, if you see what I mean? Like, she's, it's almost yeah. like she's saying that, those words to Cora as much as she is to Jefferson. Like, if you really cared about me, you never would have been a complete witch and, yeah. like, kind of left yeah. me behind in the first place. Like, you know what I mean? Because she already knew that her mom was the queen of hearts. Like, you know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Yeah, this was one probably one of my favorite scenes because Regina, it's so great the way Lana played the scene, first off, because you can tell she is moved by what Jefferson said and she does realize the weight of what she's doing and because she gets teary-eyed and she is literally, you can see it, on the verge of crying. And so obviously this touches her and relates to her in some way and you know she says that just like you said you know you should have thought about that in the first place you never should have left her and you can tell that she's coming from a very personal place and it's like she's you know saying that which or maybe even wishing she could say that to her own parent but yeah that I thought Lana was awesome in that scene because she didn't actually say that it meant something to her but you could see it all over her face yeah Exactly. Like, it's, yeah, the way that Lana played that scene was just, I mean, it's always, and the thing is, too, with Lana, it's always the subtleties. Like, it's always the subtleties in her performance that make it stand out. Like, it's the little things that she does that make it stand out. Like, that's just, that's why she's just freaking fabulous, and we love you, Lana. Okay, so, yeah, so anyways, there was a bunch of stuff, you know, like, and also, too, like, if the Queen of Hearts took Regina's dad to use him as leverage, what's she using him as leverage for? How would she know to use him as leverage? Like, it made sense that the only person who would know that would be Cora because it's, like, her parent. And so, yeah, anyway, mm-hmm. it's just saying. All right, so I'm off of that kick. I've made my point. Okay, on to something <laughs> else. All right, so, um, and also, too, how did Henry end up in the box? Like, did Cora, how exactly did he get there? Like, how did he get to Wonderland in the first place? How did he get shrunken down? Like, was there some kind of family reunion that we haven't seen yet happening? Because, I mean, I'm really curious <laughs> on that. Like, you know, you know what yeah, I mean? Like, it's a valid question. Like, how exactly did that happen? Yeah, I, I'd love to see, you know, the episode that leads up to that. Hopefully we'll get a little bit of that, maybe even in the Wonderland where we get to see uh, Cora again. But I, I obviously I'm thinking she must have fed him some mushroom or something, shrunk him down, stuck him in the box, or had someone go get him for her. I don't know. But you mentioned also that she was, I think, I don't know if you said it in your theory, but I remember you saying it in discussion, 
that she was the queen of hearts, and that's her whole thing and Regina's whole thing, ripping out the hearts. So I remember yeah. that playing in a lot to your theory, too. Yeah, because it made sense that the person, that the woman who likes to rip people's hearts out for a hobby, it would be the queen of hearts. Like, Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, God, she's such a witch. Ugh, I yeah. hate her so much. I mean, I love Barbara and Hershey, I, but God, Corey is such a witch. And I feel the same way, which is odd because I usually love my villains. And, you know, I love Regina. I, I, I'm huge, huge into especially the Disney villains. But I cannot stand Cora. I love, like, the Alice in Wonderland Queen of Hearts. I think she's, like, boisterous and hilarious. And I just, I hated Cora. I love Barbara Hershey, but I could not stand Cora. I thought she was absolutely horrible, 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 and then seeing horrible. the things like she did to Regina when she was growing up, how terrible she was, I was like, ah. Horrible woman. Yes. She's, I mean, I mean, I remember at one point saying she needed to die in a fire. Like, I specifically remember thinking that to myself. Like, this woman needs to die in a fire. <laughs> like, so, like, Dorothy, yes. get some water and splash this woman. Like, somebody do something. She's freaking horrible. Like, I just, mm-hmm. yeah, I remember that being a big thought on my brain whenever Cora came out on the screen. Yeah. All right, so we've got about 20 minutes left. I want to make sure that we get to everything because I've still got a bunch more notes here. Okay, so then after that, we see Jefferson, you know, after he gets captured, he's taken before the Queen of Hearts, and we finally get, you know, the off with his head thing, which I love the fact that you stay alive after you lose your head. That's just sort of like, although it was kind of, it was very Futurama to me, but, I, you know, that's a, another point entirely. Yes, it was crazy, and now we've seen it again because in that Wonderland episode, the Tweedle that got beheaded, his head was mm-hmm. in the box for so mm-hmm. far, and then we saw it in the episode where the caterpillar, you know, he was in in that episode, uh, Heart of Stone, where it was very Jabba-like, where they, you see that the caterpillar has somebody's head that's it's perfectly a, alive. It's so Jabba like the and that scene was ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, so I I think that's interesting and it, it is very creepy. And the other thing I want to point out about the scene too, okay, about like with the whole this whole episode really. Obviously, the Queen of Hearts, you know, she's into hearts. Hearts are red. Okay, we get it. You know, it makes sense that the Queen of Hearts is going to wear red. But notice that you know Regina was wearing purple. Okay, you know, everyone else talking about clothes and color. Well, I'm going to go on another kick on this. Okay. In Wonderland, the Queen of Hearts is entirely in power. Entirely. There's, like, no question about it. The Queen of Hearts is the one that, you know, everybody has to look out for. That's just the way that it is. So, um, and then Regina, you know, she's got purple on, purple being magic. She's having to use magic to kind of, you know, she's notice that she's not just standing up to her mom. She didn't, like, march into Wonderland with a big old army and be like, Mom, I'm, you know, I'm going to basically... Like, you know, language, you know, language warning, I'm, I'm going to kick your ass for everything you've done. She didn't do anything like right. that. She was being really sneaky, really underhanded, using magic, first of all, to get to Wonderland in the first place, sneaking around, trying to get her dad out. She was using magic and subterfuge, if you will, to accomplish mm-hmm. her goals. She wasn't being outright powerful and just being like, no, I'm, I'm coming for him. You know what I mean? So that right. the whole thing of their dresses, the clothes, the color, it comes into play again. I'm just saying. I need to write an article on this, my love. I really do. Okay. Um, so, the, so the next thing I want to talk about after that is that it goes back to Storybrooke, and, it, you know, Jefferson is, you know, showing Emma, um, his daughter Grace, whose name in Storybrooke is Paige, you know, through the telescope and stuff, okay? And it kind of goes into the earlier scene where Emma figured out through the telescope that he was watching the sheriff's station the entire time. Okay. Yeah. Now, isn't it interesting 
that Jefferson sees things through like windows, like he, like they're basically his windows into another world, if you will, because the houses that he's looking into have a completely different reality from the one that he's living in because you know what I mean? So it's like the whole thing play on the Hatter again. Like he's looking through all these windows into other worlds that he can't visit because he's insane and knows the truth and is keeping, you know what I mean? Like, does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, really. I, I love that his house, we mentioned earlier about it looking like something out of a scary movie, but it kind of contributes Mm -hmm. to like the madness. I mean, all he has is these books and all these windows to look out and he's very much, you know, alone. He knows about the curse and he, is watching all these people almost like a television show, you know, that or just exactly like it is like a, a uh, it is like a television like show. A show. <laughs> yeah, in reverse, it's like the reverse of the Truman Show. That's what's like. Exactly. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Mhm. And you know what, too? I just want to say, but that scene where he's talking about, you know, like he's talking to Emma and Emma is talking about how, you know, if, she, if you think she's your daughter, why don't you reach out to her? Why don't you, you know, tell her? Like, first of all, she's speaking from a place of desire herself because that's what she's dying for her own parents to come and do. You know, like she right. wants her parents to come and find her and tell them, you know, tell her, here we are, we love you, we found you, you know, all that stuff, right? But then that whole mm-hmm. thing, like, and this was really the clincher scene for me for Sebastian Stan being one of my top actors like ever his, the pain on this, the, the emotion involved when he's talking about inflicting like the misery on his daughter, you know, and he's like, you think I would inflict that on my daughter? Like that whole scene, his like, Oh, because he's obviously, he's gone to create that's the fact that he's gone mad from such an emotional place of wanting to be a good father that does it right. like he didn't go crazy for any kind of power hungry reasons or anything else. He just loves his kids so much that he went crazy trying to get back to her. That right. is probably one of, I mean, Oma, I mean, even though he, you know, he's kind of psycho really, if you look at it in those terms, Jefferson is like one of the most tragic characters on the entire show. Definitely. Yeah. Cause he, I mean, that's, we see in the end of the episode that, that's basically what drives him mad. You know, he's like, make it work, make it work. He's just frantic, and it, it's all for trying to get back to his daughter. He's the only thing she has, and she really is the only thing he had. So, I mean, it's very, very heartbreaking to see that. And it seems, I mean, we see, again, a, a repeating theory of, you know, but it reminds me, too, of Regina and Henry this season, how we see, you know, when he got his heart ripped out, that whole scene with her saying that Henry was all she had. When we see these very, very strong bonds of love between a parent and uh, and their child. Yeah, it's just... Yeah, that scene, I mean, Jefferson is, I mean, you know, we've had to kind of talk, you know, the father is having kind of a tra- tragic thing. Like, that's just, his character arc really is just really sad. I mean, he, you know, lost, he seems to have been like this, you know, portal jumping dude who whenever, you know, went wherever he wanted, had a wife, had a daughter, the daughter left, you know, the wife left him. And then he, you know, the curse and the daughter was taken from him and just, oh my gosh, it could like Jefferson's story could not be sadder. I mean, it's, it's just one of the worst, I mean, it's so sad. And then, you know, like the whole thing with Emma, right. And that scene too, with Emma talking about, 
you know, how maybe, you know, which my, I think my favorite line of that scene was when she says, if what you say is true, then that woman in the other room is my mother. And I want to believe right. that more than anything in the world. Because her Jennifer Morrison's delivery of that line was just flawless. It was so emotionally charged and had so much weight to it, and you could tell. But the other thing, too, and I want to kind of put this question out to you and also to the people who are in the chat room, um, was Emma lying when she said that she wanted to believe that, or do we think that she was telling the truth? Like, was that all part of the setup so that she could just escape? Or in that moment, do you guys think that Emma was actually starting to believe? And, Amy, I want to know what you think. I, it, I honestly hope – I don't think she was starting to believe. I think she wanted to, and she probably wished more than anything that that could be true, but she at the same time didn't actually – believe that it could be true so I think that was the struggle because she even managed to tear up in the scene so I don't think it was just an out and out you know bold-faced lie I think that in her heart she really wished that that could be the case and that that could be true and you could see it kind of broke her heart yeah I kind of I always thought (laughs) yeah I always thought to myself that she did believe even like on the even like for a small, tiny second, she did believe for maybe an instant that it was possible. And then, you know, went back to just not believing it at all. But see, here's the thing about that, right? And here's the reason why I asked that. It's because later on in that episode, um, you know, after Emma, you know, she grabs the telescope and she knocks Jefferson out and she goes and she frees Mary Margaret and then he comes in the room and they have that big fight to escape, right? And, you know, they're all, everybody is struggling with everything. You know, Jefferson and Emma, they're struggling. Mary Margaret's trying to free herself. And then, you know, when Emma is, like, pushing Jefferson's neck up, she's kind of, like, got him by the chin and she's pushing his head up, you know, she sees the scar on his neck. Mm-hmm. And, it's been, and up to that point, it had been hidden by the scarf that he had been wearing or the cravat or whatever you want to call it. So, you know, it had been hidden there. And then later on, you know, he grabs the hat and puts it on, and she's looking, and he shows her the scar, and he says, off with her, you know, off with his head. And Mm -hmm. Emma gets this look on her face like, oh, my God, it's true. And then here's the interesting thing about that, right? Immediately afterwards, like, immediately afterwards, in that same instant that that happens, that's when Mary Margaret suddenly grabs a croquet mallet, which is another Alex Easter egg. She grabs a croquet mallet hits Jefferson and then kicks him out of the window. And then later on, when they're downstairs, Emma asks Mary Margaret, have you been taking kickboxing lessons without telling me? And Mary Margaret says, I have no idea where that came from. Isn't it so interesting that that moment that Mary Margaret was suddenly like bandit Snow White again is the same moment that Emma, it looks like Emma kind of believed in magic a little bit. Like, yes. Yeah. Because all of a sudden she's not, meek, mild, weak Mary Margaret, she, you know, instantly had this strength about her and she was more snow than Mary Margaret, which I love because, I mean, I realize they're the same person, but I like strong bandit snow much more than I like Mary Margaret, um, her Mm -hmm. meeker personality. So, yeah, that's, I love that she just, as soon as that happened and she suddenly was more bandit than she was Mary Margaret. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, I love that. Like the very first thing that I, that was one of the things actually where I saw it and I was like, okay, so 
like if any time if Emma starts to believe, like then the curse is kind of weakening a little bit. Like when she finally believes, then it's gonna okay. Like that's when I kind of figured that maybe the curse was actually gonna break by the end of the first season, because um, I had had that that idea from the beginning. Because you know it seemed like in season one, like in the in the Enchanted Forest flashback at least, this basically this we got the entire almost the whole backstory of Snow White from the moment that she met Prince Charming up till he broke the curse and then they got married, right? Like, as the season starts out with him kissing her and breaking the curse and it ends in, you know, an apple red as blood or with the land without magic, actually. It ends, you know, that whole thing. It ends. With, it's kind of full circle. So I had kind of thought originally that, you know, since the, since the fairy tale flashback seemed to be the backstory of the, the first curse breaking, so to speak, I bet that the curse breaks in the, at the end of the first season because it's going to parallel what's going on in the Enchanted Forest, and then that's exactly what happened. And then, yeah, of course, Angie is mentioning in the chat room that they made it look like Jefferson had escaped through the hat, but of course we know that he didn't because um, he finally showed up later I on, but Adam also hate, confirmed that he didn't. I hated that it turned out that way because I thought for sure when he wasn't there and the hat was, I was like, oh, my God, Emma made it work. You know, she made that happen. Exactly. That was what I thought, too. Yeah, and I thought, and he was just gone, you know, out of this, what was it, a second or third floor window fall. The hat's there, and it's fine. And I thought for sure he had fallen into the hat, and she had made it work. But we saw later on that the creators said that, no, that's not what happened. He just ran off. But, boy, I was so sure that that's what had happened, and I I was all excited because, you know, Emma had, she really was, he was right, you know. She had the magic, and she made the hat work, and I thought we were starting to get, you know, into that, but then it turned out it wasn't. I was like, oh. But I was happy to yeah. Jefferson, you know, get his reunion and everything, but still. Oh, yeah, I was happy about that, too, but I totally thought that, you know, that's the same thing. Like, okay, Emma was touching the hat. She made it work because she believed right before Mary Margaret kicked him out of the window. She believed. Mm-hmm. She sent him through the hat. She sent him back to Wonderland. Awesome. Like, you know, cool. Okay, awesome. Of course, it didn't end up being that way, but, you know, whatever. So it's whatever. <laughs> um, so then afterwards, right, Emma and Mary Margaret are talking, and Emma has that great speech where she gets emotional, and she says that, you know, she can't lose her family, and then Mary Margaret's like, family? And she's like, friends, whatever. Like, you know, she's not wanting to admit that, you know, her walls are coming down, and it's just fabulous. And, and then, the, you know, the, the clock tower rings, and they realize that, you know, it's time for the arraignment. So the next thing we see is Regina pulling into, you know, the spot, which, you know, isn't it so interesting that she didn't just take the sheriff's spot? Like, yeah. She left that spot open. She was not, mm-hmm. she didn't just, mm-hmm. Yeah, because, Regina, you're not the one in power. That's why. Because Emma's coming to break your curse, and you don't like it. So that's what I got out of that scene. So, yes, then she and Gold talk, and, of course, that's when we find out that it was set up the entire time, that Mary Margaret's escape from the get-go was all a plot between the two of them. That's what we, you know, that's when we find out. Then, of course, Emma borrows Henry's book later on, and, you know, starts to read the stories, and, you know, it looks like she starts to believe then. We see Jefferson going crazy with all of the hats, and that was pretty much how the episode ended. Now, I have to say something about this whole conversation between Regina and Gold, because the very next episode, The Stable Boy, if you look in the very first part of the episode when it starts, and we see the flashback to when Regina and Gold set up the whole thing to begin with, Regina has a red jacket on, and gold has on a red tie. 
So yes. there they are. They're sitting there planning this, this, you know, this thing where they're going to get Mary Margaret, right? Oh, Virginia's got a plan. She's in power. She's sure of herself. She's confident. She's the queen again, and she's wearing red. And there's Gold, who's helping her set up the whole thing, too, trying to make sure it all – and he's wearing – yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. They have all of the power. <laughs> they do. Well, they they, they do, do have all of the power. Like, I mean, seriously, the clothes are reflecting the, the situation in such a subtle way. I just, I love the, God, I love this show so much for incorporating things like that. It inspires me to do these kinds of things in school. So, yeah, that was my, those are all the notes that I had there for, actually, that's, yeah, that's all of my notes. Amy, do you have anything else that you want to talk about on this episode? Uh, well, Angela asked in the podcast room, because um, we were talking about the hat and how we all thought that he had escaped through the or did it Emma had made the hat work. She asked, she said, so odd, so then what exactly happened? What I read in the interview and everything, they just said that I guess he landed and ran off and hid. And I don't know, obviously he didn't go very far, but he hid somewhere. And I remember also thinking they never went to back to look for him. I mean, he's the sheriff. They never went back out there to try and catch him or bring him back in. But, yeah, that was the explanation, just that he landed and ran off and, I guess, left the hat sitting there. So that that's what uh, the explanation was that they gave. I would rather he gone through the hat. Me too. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I would much rather have, like, you know, he goes through the hat, because then it wouldn't have been something if, like, you know, when Emma, like, when Emma and Mary Margaret went through the hat in season two in Broken, if when they landed, Jefferson was standing there. Like, I mean, granted, I'm happy that Jefferson got to reunite with his kid. That's all well and good. That's fabulous. Yay, reunited. Okay. It still would have been great if he could have, like, you know what I mean? It just would have been fun. Maybe it's personal preference. I don't know. I'm looking for really any excuse to have Jefferson on the show and to keep him there as much as possible. So if he hadn't reunited with Grace so quickly, then, you know, we could have had him for a little bit longer. But we did get him in flashbacks, and hopefully he's the Wizard of Oz because it would just be awesome. I would love it. I'd be happy to have him back in any capacity, and I really hope that he ends up being one of the people – in storybook that has a tie to another character from Wonderland. So I cannot mm-hmm. wait to see it. Oh, I'm so excited for March. My God. And also I just want to mention that we're about halfway through the hiatus now. So even though it's, you know, sucks not having once, we've kind of managed to make it about halfway through now. So yay. That doesn't make Andy you feel any better, Amy. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, it does. I mean, it's nice to know that we're like halfway there, but oh my God, like March 9th cannot get here fast enough. It just can't. Right. I mean, I'm not one of those. I mean, yeah. yeah. She noticed that when characters get a happy ending, we don't see them much anymore. Yeah, they all go to the land without cameras once uh, they get that happy ending. (laughs) We never get to see them anymore. Maybe that's where one of the doors You know, goes. maybe we need to make that some kind of, like, 
I'm, I'm actually not going to say world. that out loud in public because in case I actually want to make it, I don't want to actually say anything. But I just had an idea for something that I totally want to make with my friends now that, yeah, God, I wish all of us monsters lived closer. Oh, my God, I'm only three hours away from Steveston. I could just drive up there and I could film right there in Steveston and make it look like story work. Oh, my God. Okay. Film I could. Project. Oh, my God. Totally. So doing it. I am so doing it. Oh, my God. I have the – oh, yeah. It's on now. Okay, cool. Yes. So we have about – yeah, evil bacon. I'll cook up some evil Canadian bacon. <laughs> oh, my God. So for anybody who's wondering what that joke is about, um, at one point in the past, me and Amy were joking about how there needs to be a some kind of show, evil cooking with the evil queen, where you're, like, making evil turnovers and, you know, cook, like getting the evil bacon. It, it had to do with the bacon, right? Like, so, oh, yeah, it's in the previous talking, podcast when we made that joke. It was like the first or second podcast, and it was when we learned about the whole Robin Hood thing, and I was saying that, you know, I I do want Regina to, in the end, have a happy ending, but I hope they didn't oh, take away right. that wicked spunkiness, and we only see her, you know, at home, mild-mannered, and, you know, I said, I want her to still be wicked, and then I said, I wanted her to have a happy ending, and, you know, have a husband and family if that's what she wanted, and you know, see her in the evil kitchen cooking the evil bacon, and you know, then she could, as long as she could still and cooking be wicked. The, and cooking the evil turnovers, one turnover <laughs> at a time, because you, you yeah. know, Lord knows that you don't bake a bunch of turnovers at once. You just cook one, and that's totally normal <laughs> that to a sheriff. Sense. Anyways, uh, maybe we should bring that up next week. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so. Uh, speaking of next week, I want to let everybody know and make a reminder that we are doing another two-parter next week. We're going to be watching An Apple Red as Blood and The Land Without Magic because it's basically a two-part season finale. Um, one of them directly affects the other one. And, of course, it all has you know some ties to what's going on in the story right now. I will continue my analysis of clothing and colors and the color red specifically, as I've been doing for the past couple of weeks. Um so that's what we're going to be doing for next week. And if you guys have anything that you want to point out, please make sure that you get a hold of us on our Facebook page. Um, what's uh, What's Upon a Time what Fan Podcast? Well, it's just a mouthful. And then the, we have our own Twitter <laughs> handle, which is at O-U-A-S, as in fan podcast. So if you want to get a hold of us at either one of those places, then you can. Of course, you can hit either one of us up on Twitter. I am at the Zach Van. Amy is at Amelia, A-M-Y-L-A-A, 403. We have 10 seconds left. The show is basically over. See you guys next week for the, an Apple Redis Blood and Land Without Magic. Good night. Bye.